Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome to another episode of The Black Codes. You're here with one of your co-hosts, Savannah, and I'm sitting across. What adjectives could I find? I don't know. There's so many, but uh, young, gifted, and black. Yeah? Donald. That works. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Word. You're so good people. <laughs> um, I think I'm just going to keep inter- in- introing my episodes that I intro as Cool Cats and Kittens until Carol Baskin trademarks the shit and I can't do it anymore. Because, you think she ever will? I don't know. Um, I feel like 2020 was so crazy. Tiger King was at the top of the year, right? It was at the top of the lockdown. And it came and was a powerhouse. And then so much other shit happened that no one is really checking for Carol Baskins or the husband that she murdered. So <laughs> I feel like in order to keep that at bay, she might just chill the fuck out. But who knows? Like, <laughs> it could actually be trademarked right now. And I just have no idea. And you know, I've never watched that yet. You have to watch it. I didn't watch it early because I'm like... I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> I'm not watching this bullshit. And then Jose and I ended up watching it, and yo, what a story! It was all that. You should watch it. It's a wild, it's a wild ride of just white people, white peopling, and just doing wild ass shit. And it's really, it's funny. Um, so just to experience this just wild and crazy journey, I think you it's worth a laugh, you know? Like, a story where black people aren't being... <laughs> Something's just crazy happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally just white people being wild and crazy. You know, that's fun to watch sometimes. Makes me think of that movie Pineapple Express. Yes, yeah. But Pineapple Express is different because... Like, black people can't sell weed in peace. Um, <laughs> at least with, like, Joe Exotic. White, black people, there are black people that own Tigers, you know, Mike Tyson, Floyd Mayweather, like, like niggas with money are doing this shit. But they're buying. They're not, like, opening up these uh, questionable zoos and then doing wild shit on the <laughs> land. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Interesting. I, um... Currently, I'm still... So, when we started this podcast, I was obsessing about the book series, The Expanse. You were. Literally obsessed. (laughs) When I went on vacation for the new year, I gave in. I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just watch this show. I had resisted watching the show for months. Because I I would sit up and watch the YouTube clips of the show. Random YouTube clips of the show for like hours. (laughs) I started watching the show because you wouldn't shut up about the book. And it's on Amazon Prime. I only watched... The first season and maybe like a little bit of the second. Oh, you watched the entire season? I watched the entire first season and maybe an episode or two of the second, but I know there's like four or five seasons the of it. The fifth season just started. Yeah, so like I have no idea what's happening. Oh, you should you should continue. I'm sure it gets better. I um I gave in and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just indulge. Let it happen. It's New Year. So I watched the entire second. I, did, I jumped straight to the second season. Mm-hmm. Like I read all the books. I didn't want to start the season one. So I'm like, I'm going to go season two. Watched all of season two that night. Like that day, I, oh, I was up. I started at like one or two in the afternoon. I was up till two in the evening, and then <laughs> I went two home. Two in the a.m. Two in the a.m. Thank yeah, you. Word. <laughs> Got up in the a. Uh, the, the next day, went home, 
watch some more. I'm already starting season four. This was a week ago. <laughs> Word. And like for listeners that don't know Donald, Donald's not like a TV person. It's just like not something. We joked about it on our, I don't know what episode, the like between the two of us, we own zero TVs. Yeah. But I still will watch things on my computer. Um, you actually don't do that. Like you read more than you're just sitting down. And I mean, you have a full fledged business that you own and operate like you have other shit to do yeah i try to um i, I try to watch netflix like if, and every now and again like oh let me watch a documentary mm-hmm. or like if there's like a recommended movie i'll go check it out but i definitely I usually get on netflix based on a recommendation like oh you should watch this all right i'm gonna get on and watch it um so i definitely want to watch more things but currently i am all in on this expand stuff and let me tell you it's fucking good. So let me ask you, since you actually read the books, you think it's worth me going back to the second season and watching and catching up? Like, you think the rest of the show is, like, pretty good? Yeah, everything builds on itself. So okay. if you were to jump to the third season, you'd miss a lot. Yeah. Uh, right. You're like, what the fuck just happened between what I just watched? Like, uh-huh. everything builds all the but way But you up. think it's worth it? Like, it does a good job at... Just telling the story. Since yes. You read it. Okay, like word. they have made some edits for the sake of it being a show, mm-hmm. but the edits were acceptable. Got it. Like they're good. Okay. But um, yeah, that's what I've been watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, recently watching the fucking crazy shit. <sighs> yeah. Um, it's been interesting. You know, usually I stay away from big U.S things that are happening because they almost I should say I stay away from the things that kind of revolve around black people in any capacity so like the murdering of an unarmed person I'm staying away from the news because I don't want to see any videos of that happening and I don't want to have I like I just personally don't like seeing videos or well mainly videos of people trying to explain why we deserve to not be shot down like a fucking dog like it's hard to watch that in real time so I tend to stay away from a lot of that um but there wasn't well I shouldn't say there wasn't a black person in sight because obviously coons will coon um just like the whites will white but by and large, what happened on Wednesday, uh, January 6th, was very much an aggressive white thing. And it Twitter has been hilarious. Social media has just been, like, really funny, even though it's, I mean, I've been saying this. We are in the midst of, like, a civil war. War doesn't just happen out of nowhere. Like, shit builds up yeah. for things to happen and then some shit pops off and it's very clear but if you look at just the way wars start it's very clear that we're in the beginning stages and unless the government decides to have some fucking balls and step in i mean it's going to be a real battle i get paranoid thinking about that because as we'll talk about later in this episode Some of these white people strapped up, trained, locked, and loaded. And then my hope, because I'm not trained, strapped, and loaded, Mm -hmm. there's nothing to go get a gun, but I've shot guns on very minimal occasions. I'm not trained at all. These people do this shit for fun like I play Frisbee. Yeah. So 
thinking about, all right, now I need the military or the police to protect me from them. What Meanwhile, a, a lot of these organizations <laughs> are started by people who come from those backgrounds. For sure. And I like kind of, you and I had a conversation earlier um, you know, this, the, the capital shit that happened in D.C., me living in Baltimore and Baltimore kind of having this reputation of being a gang city and, and, and black on black crime and all of that shit. Um, and black people clearly having access to guns, but the way they're like black people's relationship with guns and white people's relationship with guns are very different and especially these types of people that we're talking about hunting and training and like like targeting like really actually being able to use the gun from experience and not from just acquiring it and like shooting shit off is very different um NRA, this is going to be on you in a few years, you know, like if some wild shit pops off, people are going to have to come back to the NRA, the Second Amendment and all of that. Well, if some shit pops off and there's a civil war, who knows if the country is going to be the same after that anyways. I mean, we had one civil war and um, things were ratified amendments obviously we get the 13th the 14th the 15th amendment uh and then we get reconstruction and then we get jim crow which kind of just rolled all that shit back so i mean honestly honestly we'll see but i i think it's going to be really bad but i hope it'll be bad now and we will get over this and and not have to talk about this shit again i don't think that's gonna happen it's not (laughs) this is me and my fucking wishful ass thinking You've been surprising me with wishful thinking lately. Because what else can we do? Like, how many more times do we have to talk about some shit that's so fucking clear and obvious? The the dead silence is important. (laughs) Like, how much more time do we actually have to spend on teaching people things that that are actually facts? Like... We talked about this in the last episode. It's on white people now to make sure you're checking and educating your brethren. Like, what else can we do? I mean, this podcast, I suppose. I suppose. Um, one thing to remember is that racism is not our problem. It's, it's not their problem. It's we have to, to fix. Bear, we have to bear the burden of it, which but is it's not why our, it's problem. our problem. <laughs> yeah, it's our problem because we bear the burden. But in terms of fixing it, it's white people's problem. Yeah. And as we'll talk about... Their responsibility. Mm-hmm. As we'll talk about later in this episode, there are sections of these people and then various, you know, watering downs of them who, when we talk about like a civil war, some of these people legitimately want a different nation. Mm-hmm. They don't like that there's black people and Asian people and Mexicans and women can do things. Like, they're just against all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, before we get into this, couple things. So we're, we have some traditions that we, one main tradition that we've been doing in the show that we've been getting back to, and that is acknowledging what we're drinking. Why? Yeah. Because this shit's fun. <laughs> and so today, I've got a combination. I didn't know. So some of you might have heard about elderberry, which is um, it's a fruit that has nutrition to it. 
And <laughs> that sounds like a bland explanation. Come on, coach. Like it's a fruit that has nutrition. And um, well, it's mixed with a beer. And I just like elderberry beer. So shout out to Charm City Meadworks with this elderberry beer. That's really good, actually. Like it tastes very pleasant to drink. And it has this purplish tint to it. It reminds me of, like purple drink. So I'm showing Donald a picture of elderberries in the wild. They are literally berries. I have never had... Sambucus. Ha- I've never really had them like on their own or anything like this. I've had elderberry um, either syrup or garnished and gin cocktails. Gin being paired with fruits, fruit notes flowers and shit just really pairs well so i've had a lot of elderberry gin style cocktails that i love um this mead works thing is very interesting i think that it's good there's something about it though that falls flat to me and it's not this it's just something within like mead itself because i've had different types of mead different flavors and there's always this thing that for me, it just, there's something that's just not there that I wish was there. Um, but overall, I, I do like it. What is mead? Mead is, so shout out to the honey, the, the bee on the thing. It's, it's fermented honey that, that becomes alcoholic and then you make a drink out of that. So like... You can do it with fruits. Obviously, wine is like the the most popular. When they do hooch and shit and gel, it's like old fermented fruits. Mead is like honey and and there can be fruits in it. I think maybe I might have just made that up. Um, but in terms of like alcohol, before there was a real industrial distilling process, it was just the aging of certain things would turn things alcoholic kind of i don't want to say it would spoil but some like gases are released and it makes it alcoholic um but mead is like a tiny honey based alcohol thank you to our alcohol (laughs) connoisseur and residents i'm gonna look this up later make sure i'm correct and if i'm wrong i will tell (laughs) y'all so um shout out also to black running organization i got my bro shirt and I've been working out a lot more lately, so, like, my arms and my chest feel a little bigger, and this shirt, I got to told them to get a small, like, I'm not a huge human being, for those of you who don't know me. So, like, this shirt is really kind of tight. Not suffocatingly tight, but definitely on some, like, damn, if I put on a couple pounds up top, I'm going to rip this shirt. It's definitely a shirt that one would wear when you are, I would say, like... I don't want to say actively trying to show off your muscles, but it's a shirt that you put on that you're aware that it's very tight and people can see your body mm. in terms of just like throwing on like a big T-shirt to be comfortable in. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those. But my next BRO shirt, I'll get a Shout out to them. They get Donald out the house. Uh, he releases some energy so I don't have to deal with all of it. <laughs> I deal with the blowback. <laughs> I deal with him. His runner's high coming down, or maybe I probably make it come down quicker. Because yes, yes. <laughs> Donald comes in the house probably on like an 11, and I'm in here, even if I'm here in my own world on like a nine, 
our energy levels are just naturally a bit different <laughs> and yeah <laughs> i definitely bring donald down <laughs> <laughs> um we did today we did a mile and a half run to some back alleyway that you knew and we did a bunch of hill sprints and then mm-hmm. we had to go back mm-hmm. and i was running out of gas but it was tough it was fun like it's just a cool group of people um a lot of different people so and and so the guy who one of the founders his um his partner she has like this shop where she sells a lot of like different um different things just pop-ups and all that so it was pretty cool to check that out but um kind of moving on so today we're going to talk about our topic at hand white terrorist violence and two points that i want you to keep in mind is that it's always present and it's always threatening yes this has been something from you know the inception of you know european and african relations at least in the context of the united states and is present as to today the 9th of 2020 when we record so i think 1619 all the way to 2020 that's 401, 401 years 402 years gosh yeah 2021 oh, two, yeah so one thing before we get into this that i want to clarify and that is we're going to talk about like right-wing extremists and when we say this we want to make sure that we're being clear that right-wing really means conservative values and and this conservatism. It does not mean Republican. And when people talk about left-wing, it does not necessarily mean Democratic. It means more liberal in the sense of liberal, in the sense of um, to the extreme end, without structure, more anarchist, and tends to be a little bit more to that communist end. Right-wing is definitely much more conservative, and when it, conservative in American sense, conservative capitalist and um, small government. Yeah, and to the to the left, you said communist, think socialist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something, you know, when Lyndon B. Johnson like wins wins. There he's he explicitly says, and I think we said this on an earlier episode. So he obviously runs on a Democratic ticket, and Lyndon B. Johnson is a Southern Democrat. But, you know, he went he becomes president initially because um, JFK is assassinated before JFK is assassinated. There is all of this civil rights things kind of hanging up in the air that, you know, black people are like, yo, what's up? (laughs) You know, Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson ends up passing and signing off on a lot of the civil rights. And he does that understanding that the the pro civil rights will be better off for me better off for maybe it's the country but better off i will get more votes if i do this than if i do this but if i go this route we are going to hand the south over to the republican party for sure and that's what happens and that's when it changes so up until that point the republicans we're the more liberal. They're the ones that are like kind of fighting for abolition. They're the ones that are abolitionists. They're the ones that are fighting for equality and shit. And the Southern Democrats are the ones, you know, that are fighting against it. And then we see that that change. So it's not a party thing. So I'm what happy you pointed that? that in. Sorry. What year was that? Sometime in the sixties. Okay. I I had it written down in the other thing. I should have pulled it up for this, but it it happens in the sixties. Okay, so that's uh, which was in the happens. last couple of generations. Yeah, 
Yeah. So we want to make sure that that's clear because right now it can be easy to say right wing being Republican, mm -hmm. left being Democratic. And this is a, in American history, a new phenomenon. Right. Um, so with that, we are going to talk about right wing extremism is a lot. And another thing, while most, if not all, right wing extremism is white people, a lot of left wing is still white people. Like, <laughs> yeah. So we talk about this white terrorist violence. While most of it's going to be about the conservative end of things, keep in mind that left wing violence often is still largely white people. Now that's where you get other types of people, mm -hmm. but you know it pales in comparison. Mm -hmm. So. We're going to go through a few different eras. So we're going to talk about um, like slavery in and of itself pretty briefly. We'll talk about the Reconstruction and Jim Crow era. And then we'll look at our more modern day. Where we have a lot of interesting things to share with you. Yeah. So we look at white terrorist violence and this ever-present threat that outside of just being black, like white people being a threat to black people's sovereignty, their health, their longevity their ability to just be alive that's also where the violence occurs just in generally in the united states mm -hmm. and so when you look at you go back to the beginning slavery what is this forced labor you are making somebody do tasks for you you're making them do hard labor for you you're making them do soft labor for you and if they don't you beat them or you kill them and even if they do it you still beat them just because you can and there's no one to check them. There's no one to check them. So, excuse me. And again. So, <laughs> you know, I want that violence. That happened for 250 years. Mm -hmm. That's 250 years of people being beaten, killed, with like no, next to no repercussion. Yeah. Because who are they going to turn to, mm -hmm. you know? Even if they wanted, and we've talked about this a lot, um, slave like people that were enslaved. If something, if something happened, if they were wronged, who were they gonna go to? Yeah, that's gonna listen to them. Literally, no one. So, Literally. white people, especially quote unquote slave masters, really had free reign to do whatever the fuck they wanted. Slave rebellions in any. Um, killings that came out of those pale in comparison to just the casual killing of slaves. So yes, there were uprisings and slave rebellions, and yes, white people died in this. But these incidences were they weren't they weren't terribly uncommon, but they were not common. Mm -hmm. You know, these were big events that happened. They were small, sometimes insurrections where a few people died, and they were bigger ones that are the more well-known one, known ones like Nat Turner and, and some other bigger ones where, like, yes, a lot of people died. But even in those, all those slaves got killed. Yeah, and if, you're, if we're talking about, like, how do you keep people in check, you make sure they see and they really understand that you're not one to be fucked with, right? So on the smaller scale, black people being checked, being assaulted, being violated, being reprimanded is happening maybe on a, a smaller scale because it's happening like on someone's plantation or in someone's household, depending in, on the way that this person is enslaved. Not all of that is even being recorded, you know? So 
those th- but those things are happening in mass that's why you don't see more revolts like there's a reason why these revolts are so big and they happen at these sporadic times it's because groups of people are coming together and saying how much more are we gonna have to take like we're living like this every single day we're we're being boxed in every single day and then you get these moments of fuck this but i mean they're already killing us because we see it every single day and they know that after this revolt they're going to die yeah like they know they're not going to revolt and then like you know, ride a horse to freedom. Like, they're going to revolt and do all yeah. this and then get killed. And then, you know, if you have, these people have forethought. They're like, I'm going to get killed. They're going to lynch us in front of everybody else so that everybody else thinks twice about doing that. So that even if we do this, unless the white sympathizers all go into like, oh my God, we should end this, which eventually, you know, that starts to grow after a couple hundred years. Right. All the other slaves who would think about it, like, oh, nigga, I'm not doing that. Like, it I only, would love to, but I don't want to die like that. Look, they, they just hung this man in front of everybody. I, the fact that you just said that is funny. Yeah, it still took y'all a few hundred years to really say enough is enough. And that was <laughs> from a, like an array of other things. Y'all really didn't say enough is enough in a real serious, like, uh, coming from a pure intentional place, you know? Yeah, I didn't think about that till I said that. that was a couple hundred years of like, yeah, <laughs> a couple of people were like, oh, that's not okay. Sure. I mean, yeah, Johnny, I know it's not okay, but like, look at them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet that literally fucking happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know it's not okay, but like, look at them. I mean, yeah, we really take for granted um, like technology and our close proximity to things, right? Back in 16, 17, even the 18, arguably the early 1900s, you have newspapers. And at this point, you, you know, in the, in the 20th century, especially the late 19th century, but and, and during the, the Civil War, things are moving a bit faster. There are steam engines and shit like that. Sure. But things are moving like news is being shared at a pace that it can happen and it's not instantaneously because they don't have the internet right but they still knew what was generally going on and it took them yeah like 250 years to finally say okay maybe we should do something else but so we want you to remember in this setup 250 years Violence was given in retribution for any pushback against being forced into labor and having your kin forced into labor and your next of kin forced into labor and your next of kin forced into labor. You know, those kind of uprisings were put down violently. You looking at somebody sideways, violence, get whipped. You didn't pick up enough cotton, get whipped. You didn't clean this good enough, you get whipped. Uh, You know what? I'm tired of whipping. I'm just going to fucking kill you. You made me look stupid, die. And um, also for our women, getting raped by I mean we've talked about this Donald both of us are light-skinned I can trace back several of my ancestors super light-skinned I'm sure the first light-skinned ancestor not there from a love connection yeah no they didn't meet on tinder they didn't (laughs) swipe right they did not equally both swipe right and get together that's not what happened (laughs) happened. somebody swiped and it was just one swipe and that swipe led to a red mark which led to a baby after that that's yeah that swipe led to a half white baby that was still completely black and, and enslaved yeah so stepping out of that we get into the reconstruction era and then jim crow and we're gonna put this 80, 90-year era in one. So 
we look at reconstruction and this is, you know, we've talked about this uh, on this uh, podcast. You can look this up on your own. But this is the era when slavery ends and, you know, the North is trying to help rebuild the South so that black people can get themselves up to par, right? You you take people's liberty and ability to produce and do things away for 250 years, it's going to take some time and assistance if you want to bring them up to par. And so the union, to some extent, was trying to do that. Um, and then, you know, Reconstruction ends and uh, good old Andrew Johnson, you know, make sure that that happens and some other things go on. We get into the Jim Crow era. During this time, the threat of white violence doesn't go away. Matter of fact, well, it doesn't go up. It just doesn't go away. I can't say it doesn't go up, but it definitely doesn't seem to go down. Yeah. The KKK emerges out of this, and a number of things happen. First of all, throughout this time, there are burnings. They love burning things and blowing things up. So as black people wanted to get their own places to live, they would get lit on fire. You know what? They're congregating. Burn their churches down. And this happened up through the 50s, um, where you know we talked about in the redlining episodes and our housing discrimination, where... And, you know, throughout this great migration, as people were moving to cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, they would get their houses bombed, burned, or just, you know, vandalized in different ways. They, we had Bombingham Hill in Alabama, in Birmingham, because they're like, these niggas are not moving in our neighborhood. Fucking die. <laughs> like, look at this audacity, these niggas, to move here. They should die. And it's like, you could just be like a maybe a bad neighbor like nigga i didn't ask you for no apple pie you don't gotta bring me apple pie (laughs) right that's the thing it's like you could just be a bad neighbor and maybe hope that because you're not neighborly you move someone out but the fact that your hatred runs so deep that you are physically you you feel and know you have the right to do that and nothing will fucking happen to you you can terrorize other people and nothing will happen to you because it's within your right. You don't want these black people moving on your street. Fuck that. A cross is going up. A brick mm-hmm. is being thrown. I don't care if you have kids in your house. Fuck you. And in our definition of terrorism, this is where you see terrorism happen. So we c- we'll talk about slavery and that's like white terror. But given the legality of slavery, that doesn't legally constitute terrorism. Right. Which I know that sounds wild. And you're like, wait, hold up. You probably even never thought about slavery being terrorism. And, well, because it's legal, mm-hmm. so it wasn't terrorism. Mm-hmm. But now it's not legal. So blowing up people's houses is terrorism. It is. Like, it wasn't legal. They just were allowed to do it. And so, you know, these things happen. We talk about churches being burned down and, you know, people in their own churches dying from them being burned down. Um, there were various riots that happened. You have your famous Tulsa, Oklahoma Right, you have various other ones, and then you even have the Red Summer, you know. And for those of you who aren't aware, I'll give you a quick rundown of that. After World War One, all these soldiers came back home, and a lot of the white soldiers felt threatened by these black soldiers who they felt were not going to just go with the whole Jim Crow era stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were um, a number of different things that happened in that time. There were 25 riots in 1919. There were 97 recorded lynchings in that year. There's only 52 weeks in a year. There was damn near two lynchings a week that year alone. So, um, 
I've like seen uh, shows and documentaries talking about, um, you know, like the black experience during both world wars and even like Korea and Vietnam, but specifically both both world wars because they happened in Europe. And the treatment that black soldiers got while in Europe versus when they came home and um, them being them wanting to go into places and white soldiers trying to segregate for them because in in the space it wasn't necessarily segregated right and not that European countries didn't have racism because where do you think we got this shit (laughs) (laughs) but at that point they had kind of lost a lot of the places they had colonized in the western world and so it was more lax not that racism didn't exist but it was more lax which is why you see a lot of especially artists and creatives running to france running to paris they're going to london like they're going to europe because they can kind of move a bit more freely white men that were in this war were not fucking with that at all like oh no 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 <laughs> like i don't know who y'all think y'all are we're still operating on these terms yeah yeah i know them french people treated you nice look i know yeah. the germans were real nice to you during uh-huh. world war one I. I know the swiss were like oh you're cool as hell you could dance mm-hmm. and all that when you come back to america i'm gonna fuck you up even there though it was kind of like um no you can't be here well yes we can like there's no whites only or colored entrance in the back here like i can come through here that was like that was a thing that was Mm. a big thing that that you know black uh soldiers had to deal with i didn't know that part yeah like i didn't i didn't know about those interactions Mm mm-hmm because they were still put in like black, mainly black only troops, you know, like the army was still segregated. Black people that were in the army were in the army together or in the military. They were in the military together. They weren't necessarily they weren't segregated army troops, mm. you know, so they were still moving as white and as black. It was a stat. It's interesting to see 100 years later. It was something I read. I need a, um, I didn't cite it for this article. I mean, for this episode. So, you know. Um, it was, I think it was for the U.S. or for the world, but the United States Army now in the, in the 21st century is the di- most diverse entity either in the country or on the planet with all the different types of ethnic and people in the Army. And it's still racist and misogynistic <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> Crazy, right? Imagine that. So those, you know, those riots happened a lot in the earlier part of the 20th century. But these burnings and, and house bombings, these happened up to the 50s. And I have a crazy stat for you all. So um, everybody listening has heard of lynching. And just for you to be like, oh, lynching, like maybe you heard it too much and you're a little desensitized. So when someone takes a rope and they hang you from something mm-hmm. and they choke you out so you fucking die. Right. The um, Equity Justice Institute did a report. Between 1877 and 1950... There were 4,084 lynchings recorded throughout the South. That's just throughout the South, the 12 states. 4,084 recorded lynchings. Well, I did some math. You know, I'm not the dumbest person in the world. (laughs) Over those 73 years, that's 3,792 weeks. There were over 4,000 lynchings. Savannah, that means that a person in, in, in a percentage were lynched every single week for 73 
years. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's even more disturbing is because most of those lynchings took place out of it wasn't even like um civilian justice in terms of oh something really bad happened and the justice system didn't didn't do their due diligence they let this wild maniac free so we need to take justice into our own hands it was from the get Oh, I heard X, Y, and Z happens. Let me just go find the the closest, the first person that fits this description. Mm-hmm. Oh, young Susie, Sue Ann said that this boy raped her. He winked at her. He whistled at her. Let's go pull him out of his fucking house and string him the fuck up. A lot of a lot of the lynchings are based out of not even real crimes that took place it they happened out of someone's dislike and then their perceived power to be able to be jury what is that thing they say jury executioner you know, um judge that, jury executioner. and executioner yeah and they've had the power to do it and no one ever fucking stops them so mm. they continue to i mean honestly if no one stops you you're gonna think you can do what you want yeah yeah that's how that works. So, you know, this happened throughout the end of the 19th century, throughout the most of the, at least the first half of the 20th century. So the third part uh, we're going to get into is our modern day. And we're going to use this through the lens of the FBI and terrorism. So, you know, as we get into, you know, the cold, like post-World War II, getting into the Cold War, terrorism becomes like a thing, Right. I was learning a lot about terrorism. There was Jewish terrorism. Mm-hmm. There was terrorism in the United States against C- Castro being like the head of Cuba. There was terror. I didn't know there was Jewish terrorism, first of all. Like Jewish were blowing shit up back in the 60s and 70s. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, terrorism, sorts of, all sorts of things, you know. This is the beginning of anti-abortion terrorism where they were blowing up abortion clinics and doing all sorts of wild shit, which we're going to get into a little bit. But during this time... We're going to really kind of get into like the 70s through now. Now, the FBI, as we uh, we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast, but a lot of people do know, they had this program called Cointel Program, counterintelligence program, where they went out of their way to be able to overthrow organizations that they thought presented a threat to U.S. security and way of being. So a lot of these black organizations were subject to that. Martin Luther King himself was subject to that. Mm-hmm. Well... You know, they were deemed as violent because they were armed, and some of them did do some violent things. And a particular stat that I want you to note, Black Liberation Army was uh, one of the more prominent um, organizations, especially going into the 70s. And between 1970 and 1984, they were responsible for 38 acts of violence um, that included, like, robberies, um, you know, bombings, and even actual murders. Um just 38. We're going to keep that number in mind. And there were other organizations, but this was one of the most prominent ones. Well, going into the 80s, 1998, I'm mean, 1988. I decided to read some articles. Like, you know, a lot of articles you Google search and you look at different stats and things. They're like in the last five years. But I was like, no, I want to read about shit that came out back then, right? Mm-hmm. So one of those sources that I found, Rand Corporation, which is a, a think tank, mm-hmm. essentially. And so... 
1988, they listed right-wing terrorists as a emerging threat in the United States. Between so this is not new news is essentially what you're saying. Yeah, this is not new news. Like they had been wreaking havoc. I mean, they are these are the these are the offsprings of the KKK right. and neo Nazis. Right. Like they they've been here for decades. They said. I just wanted to emphasize the fact that this happened in 1988, meaning niggas been hip or mm. aware. And by niggas, I mean everyone, because Iran Corp. There, there's white people there. It's probably led, ran, operated by the whites, <laughs> but they're still hip and understood in 1998. Like 88. Yeah, 1988. Like. So, so this is not new news. Like yeah. there have been people that have been out here watching for this, looking for this. Like yeah. they study this professionally. Um, a lot of these attacks rank in the 30s, 40s, and 50s of just number of incidents, right? Mm-hmm. And often even more. So, between in that in that span of 10 years, right wing organizations were responsible for 75 percent of all U.S. terrorist attacks. Let me say this again: right wing organizations, which are generally said to be um, these white supremacist organizations, these white anti-government organizations, and incel organizations, which that's more of a new thing, but especially that's more of a 2000s thing. But um, white supremacist organizations and these anti-government organizations where there's a lot of overlap, but sometimes they have different goals. Mm -hmm. 75%, between 74 and 84 Mind you, Black Liberation Army, which is like something that was on their radar very heavily, that they were trying to overthrow, and they did, in that same time span, made 38, in- 38 incidents. Which, and they weren't, they weren't the other 25% of this. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure that I make that clear. They weren't the other 25%. Yeah. <laughs> the RAND Corporation also said that these right-wing terrorist organizations were more likely to be a domestic nuclear threat and that they had these weapons and skill trainings that was a much newer upgrade than they had in the past with the KKK and their old neo-Nazi parties. They're like, these niggas train, they practice shooting shit, they go on ranges and courses, these niggas practice survival shit in the woods. I think about... (sighs) How can I put this? Um, I was introduced to some people that were very white that you know they had one of those like gun closets and they had a few acres and this is western pennsylvania and they would casually just go out into their property with their fucking guns and like shoot at shit like it could be a deer maybe they had like some bottles and they would just shoot you know um their practice and i'm not saying that these people were or are um terrorists but i will say everyone that i know from that household voted for trump and they were very pro-trump and they were very like our rights are being taken away (laughs) shit's happening but they're practicing you know with their guns and they have multiple types of guns and multiple types of ammunition for some of these guns they have guns that might be illegal that might be legal who knows but they're practicing they're not just acquiring them and then like running up and shit and using them like haphazardly like they are aware of how to use the shit and are planning it around that knowledge you know being in the early stage of this podcast, I know a number of our listeners. And there's plenty of you that I don't know that I don't know that I don't shout know. Shout out to our India listeners. Shout out to our Indian <laughs> listeners. We got to give a big shout out to them. Also, 
while we're in the middle of this, make sure you like, subscribe, and share this podcast with somebody. Please. Pull a stat out of this that we you were like really you. fucking with. Like, oh my God, they said this? Like, mm-hmm. And then look it up, right? So some of these stats are also coming from the uh, CSIS uh, Savannah. If you could, I don't know what that stands for anymore. She can, she'll tell you in a second. But um, you can look up this stuff, right? We didn't just pull this out of our ass. But shout out to y'all. It stands for the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Okay. And they study a lot of shit, and terrorism is one of them, Mm -hmm. one of the bigger topics. And so some of you are not into guns. You're like, oh, my God, guns, no. Like, you shouldn't shoot people. Like, don't use guns, right? (laughs) And, I mean, some of you do use guns. But a lot of you are like, oh, no, no guns. These people fucking love guns. Love them. Like, like, I like to run, right? Like, I run multiple days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I run a lot of miles a week. Like, I coach runners. Like, running's my shit, right? I get a runner's high. Yeah. These niggas get gun highs. Yeah, they're the ones that are buying their wives, like, pink camo <laughs> pink camo guns for Christmas. And the wife is hype because they're gun families, you know? Like, I want to beat niggas in a race. They want to shoot shit. Yeah, their son turns 12, 13, 14, however old you have to be. Until I guess the parent deems you're legally ready, like oh, your Christmas gift for your birthday, your that gift is a gun, you know? Yeah, this is like a thing. So, you know, this was something that they knew in the '80s yeah. that was upcoming, right? Mm-hmm. And well, they weren't wrong. So the CSIS, uh, they did a lot of these stats, and they had some newer stats between 1994 and 2020. Of 893 attacks and foiled plots, white ring, right, well, right-wing terrorist organizations and white-wing extremists were responsible for 57% of these attacks. That amounts to 509 attacks and foiled plots between 1994 and 2020. And since 2011, they've been responsible for 75% of them. And I think the same, oh, you actually have a list, so I'm not even going to say it. Go ahead. So let me just give you the next set of stats, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys can write this down, Google it. 2019, they were responsible for 66% of all terrorist activity in the United States. And in 2020, fucking, you know, 2020 was a wild year. These niggas is part of why it was so fucking crazy. They were responsible for 90% of the terrorist activity. They had 41 attacks and plots. Just between January and August last year. Let's go back to Black Liberation Army. Oh my God, the black people with guns are so crazy. These niggas had 38 incidents between 1970 and 1984. A 14-year period. These niggas did that shit in eight months. Yeah. And and those are just the ones that they've documented so far. Yeah. You know, like 2020 just happened. There might be things that they are like in the cut waiting to solidify and confirm we were talking about a little bit earlier um the terroristic attack what's that what's this nigga's name oklahoma the oklahoma no in tennessee oh the tennessee um, the nashville one nashville bomber yeah, dude from just like a couple me, weeks ago let me look up nashville sometimes i feel very um conflicted about saying certain people's names right because I feel like I don't I don't want their name and their legacy to live on. Mm. But sometimes you have to call these niggas out because you you want to ensure that the legacy is 
they weren't this martyr. They didn't do this grand thing. No, they were fucking terrorists. Um, this is giving me a whole lot. Well, while she looks for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I want you to keep these numbers in mind because what you saw at the Capitol is not unprecedented. Like, no, niggas just don't go storming through the Capitol building and, you know, doing all sorts of defamation. But you can see that this type of radical action is not um, uncanny. It's not out of character. You know, these right-wing organizations who are extremely conservative, um, and we're gonna, I'm going to get right very soon into, like, a little some of the intricacies about them and how they spread into the greater American culture as well. But this stuff's not unnatural. They've been terrorizing, you know, just this general white culture of us versus everybody else has been terrorizing people since they started dealing with other people here. They've been terrorizing specifically even black people. And there's other people. We didn't even get to talk about Native Americans. Like, we don't talk about them on this podcast. But they have their own problems, right? Um, Asian people, all, Middle Eastern people, like there's a whole other th- slew of things. Most of these terrorist incidences and large scale uh, crimes against humanity are, you know, these groups of white people who feel a type of way about something. And so when people want to go around talking about, oh, these black people are dangerous, like, you know, some of you, if you walk, I like to wear black a lot. Mm-hmm. I got locks. Yeah. I walk down the street. I almost look threatening. The only reason I don't look as threatening as I could is because I have glasses, okay? Maybe not even that. But because I'm light-skinned and short. Mm-hmm. So short part, part aside, I'm light-skinned. Mm-hmm. Why does me being light-skinned make me not look threatening, Savannah? Mm-hmm. It's because you're closer to whiteness. Because I'm closer to white. Um, the, the Tennessee dude that we were talking about, his name was Anthony Warner, and he was 63, when he committed that act. And I only mentioned his name, and not to get you too off track, because I definitely want you to go back to that point, but, um, you know, when I was kind of doing the research for the White Lash episode, and I found that quote about them pulling back on Reconstruction and, you know, the Civil War happening and it being, like, the main site of a lot of destruction, and then Reconstruction happens, and then the... Um, the troops pull out, so all of these steps that they tried to put in place to build up the South and build up Black people get removed. And it makes the South unattractive for businesses, for immigrants, for really for progress. So the South kind of stays in this old space in the 19th century as we move into the into the 20th. And it stays there. And there is this crazy, like, you know, the North and California and these major cities are more populated with different ethnicities. Black people, white people are living in in closer proximity. So they're able to actually not just kind of maybe be on the same bus, but actually interact with each other at work or their kids end up becoming friends from school and whatever. And it and the South being so wild and crazy it kind of halts that progression. And it was interesting that the siege that happened on Wednesday, it wasn't just 
it wasn't, I don't even know if it was mainly like these young white dudes. There were people in their 60s and 70s that were probably really leading this. And then you get young people that have been kind of taught, they're being taught this shit and it's like a last ditch effort. And in your 20s, you're just an extremist period because mm-hmm. I feel like you're learning yourself. And you're, you learn something and you're like, oh, this is it. This, I identify with this. And now you're just, yeah, balls <laughs> to the wall for full course ahead um so me when i learned out when i learned his actual age i'm like damn you're six why would you do that at 63 like for what he must have had that on his heart for a long time but whatever uh i just wanted i didn't want to forget to say his name so yeah you can keep going but you know back to that being a threat piece like i yeah someone who is impoverished statistically maybe more likely to commit a petty crime um, than somebody who maybe is more middle or upper middle class and comfortable. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like you dying at an event, it's probably not a black person that's ever going to make you die at an event. It's probably going to be some white person who has some vendetta against somebody who's going to make you die at a football game or at a movie theater or at school. And so, you know... It, that myth that black people are so dangerous or that these Mexican people are so dangerous is just so far out of whack. When you Yes, there's gang violence. And guess what? It's because Pookie owned Tyrone money. Gang violence like, is going to exist, period. That it's way. going to exist. It exists in every country. Mm-hmm. It exists everywhere. It's when, you know, that pocket of people who are impoverished who run criminal organizations, do criminal shit. And to be fair, y'all only ever give a fuck when it's, like, street-level crime. You don't care when it's white-collar crime. You don't care when the crime is wrapped up in, like, three-piece suits. Like, those criminals, you could care less they about. They made a movie after the guy Wolf on Wall Street. Yeah. That nigga was one hell of a fucking criminal. Yeah, you love them. We praise them. Like, we're rooting for it. But that's another, that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I want you to keep that in mind. Now... I want to give a little bit of insight about these, uh, to kind of wrap this episode up, about these right-wing terrorist groups. Uh They have uh, some core tenets that they bleed into, like, general white culture to an extent, but, like, they are their own fucking wild-ass thing. So a lot of them, you know, they have these religious and cultural fuels and ideology. Um, A very particular piece of it is this Protestant Christian identity that they hold on to a few basic tenets. A lot of these groups, they want a pure white nation Mm -hmm. that is a Christian nation where women know their place in that nation that has no Jews, no blacks, no Mexicans, no Native Americans. They are capitalists, don't come in here with no um, communist jazz. No socialist programs. No socialist programs. Even though them niggas, their their moms, their (laughs) grandparents would be on welfare on all types of assistance, Mm -hmm. lick. They all those things from black people. So shout out to us for getting them. But yeah, um, and, and you know they're anti-abortion. That's a very mm-hmm. big thing. And when you look at some of these terrorist attacks, like all those stats were not just stats against embalming black people. I mean, a number of them were, mm-hmm. but these were things against Muslims, against black people. A lot of them were anti-government. They don't believe in government beyond the county level. Right. So federal government, they hate. Mm-hmm. Um, think about Oklahoma City bombing. Like that was partially federal federal government and some other influences that happened with that 95 um they don't like these things right and there's different levels of the intensity of that but these people are the aryan brothers the order um you know various other neo-nazi parties the white patriots you know the kkk 
these organizations are, they have few active members and they have tens of thousands of people who subscribe to their doctrines, mm-hmm. who go to their rallies. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these people are the pro-Trump people who are like, who we, stand, stand back and stand by. Like, these are those mm-hmm. people. Now, when it comes to their version of Christianity, something interesting comes up. Mm-hmm. So they have a, a few basic tenets in this Christian identity, especially when it comes to, there's a very particular, um, let me say this right, the Church of Christ like I said, called the Church of Christ uh, Christian Movement. I might be saying this wrong to, to some extent, so I apologize for that. Um, they are actually based out of uh, Idaho on this compound that uh, one of these Aryan organizations like has land in Idaho that they're based out of. There are a few of these beliefs. First of all, Jesus was Aryan and not a Jew. Now, let me quickly explain to you the Aryan. Like... Anthropologically, Aryan refers to people who are from the Iran region. The Caucasus Mountains. The Caucasus Mountains. Um, And there are various uh, original demographics of Iranians, Armenians, Vedics, which are northern India. Right. And they expanded into Europe. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what they kind of mean are more like the Nordic types and the Germanic types and Mm -hmm. Anglo-Saxons. Like they hold on to that and they believe that Jesus was an Aryan, not a Jew. They, matter of fact, think that Jews are the children of Satan. Mm-hmm. And I want to make that point clear because you, you know, you're like, why are they so anti-Semitic? They believe the way that you believe Trump is wrong. They more believe that Jews are children of Satan. Mm-hmm. That's a strong statement. You're like, you might be laughing like, oh, that's corny as hell. No, these niggas really feel that way. Yeah. Um, they feel that the United States is the promised land. And that Anglo-Saxons are the chosen people of God. They are the lost tribes of Israel. So, you know, some of you who are black listening, it's like, oh, that sounds like what the Hebrew Israelites believe. Yeah, like they're like the, they're like the armed, really militant version of them and they're white. Well, I would say... Like maybe not exactly, but... It's, it's, it's different because white men, the way that black men fuel that fight, white men fuel the fight, but white men have like power and access they can execute that shit that black men hebrew israelites in particular just don't have access to really make that belief large mm-hmm. <laughs> larger than it is you know yeah it's funny some you know some of these things these groups are not drastically different yeah. <laughs> um you know the separatist acts like these people also want the united states to be a different country mm-hmm. they don't like that there's asian people here niggas are in power what women can can tell me what to do like this is blasphemy yeah. to them and i mean that literally um and, and and so like that fuels a lot of this and that's been here for hundreds of years like this isn't just didn't pop up in 20 2001 like these people have been leaving in this there are churches dedicated to preaching this this stuff is taught at home um even the fbi hid or was it rancorp they had listed that these people not only go ahead and you know uh do these crazy violent acts but they make it a point to pass this on to future generations in ways Mm -hmm. that other organizations don't like yeah you find you know um people in the new black panther party and things like that who who get this stuff passed down but a lot of us don't get it we get told about what happened in the 60s and 70s inspired inspired these niggas are indoctrinated the way that it's kind of 
if your dad is a doctor, you're going to become a doctor situation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. Like, yeah. this is where I'm at. This is where you're going to be at, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's not even a question. Like, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. And so some black people, you might not get the Jew jokes. Like, I know for me, I don't get the redhead jokes. I definitely don't get the Jew jokes. Like, why do people make fun of Jews? The Or why do they, you know... People are so obsessed about the United States. Like, I get just some level of patriotism. I'm personally not a fan of nationalism, but that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't, you hear these jokes, black people, you're like, this, it's a white people thing. Like, and these are those things that, yes, they're at the extreme ends of culture. But those extreme ends bleed into the greater American culture. Yeah. Like, these are the people that strong-armed slavery these are the people that were very against the end of slavery this right-wing piece it's not about them being republicans yes in 2021 a lot of them are republicans and they've only really been republicans through like the last 50 60 70 years like a lot of them were democrats before for sure um so like don't don't get caught up in the republican piece but this very slavery was a conservative thing the idea of releasing slaves was liberal yeah a lot of them a lot of them switched and like jump shipped because kennedy was an irish catholic and then you had lyndon b johnson who was for all intents and purposes like a good old boy a white southern democrat switched quote unquote i'm saying switch sides um and be on at least politically, like the civil rights movement, and and but he knew what he was doing, which I mentioned earlier. But you have that's where the ship changes. We get really caught up in this Republican and Democrat Democrat thing. The issue is not really that you can be conservative about things, you can be liberal liberal about things. The issues though that are dangerous don't really have to do with being a Republican or a Democrat. It has to do with these crazy ideologies that people are passing down to their fucking kids or children have access to, especially now with the internet, and they're not doing any vetting to ensure what they're reading is accurate. Which, yeah, yeah, it's a whole... We're not the internet (laughs) police, but... We're not, but there are people that are. Um, And so to kind of finish this out, you know, these white men feel like they're third, not just white men, you know, their their wives, they feel like they are considered third class citizens. Like that's a quote. They feel like they're third class citizens. They feel like America has turned their back on them. Meanwhile, you look at like the government and like, nigga, how do you feel that way? Talk about victimization and just wanting to be a victim. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, you really want to be a victim. Like, oh, my God, look, there's, like, only 60, 70% of white men in Congress versus, like, why is it not 100? Why is it not 98%? And it's the same people that's saying, you're race baiting. Obama's a reverse racist. Like, he's the one that's always talking about race and women that shouldn't be trusted and you just want to be a victim all the time. Like, so what do you call this? Because y'all niggas still actually hold n- most of the power, and you're complaining. Yeah, like, it's wild. Like, please get over yourself. But that also fuels this. When you think about what happened at the Capitol, mm-hmm. they did not get their way. You know, this they feel victimized. You talk about a lot of them are like, hey, our rights are way. being taken away from us. Because they didn't get their way. They feel victimized, not because they were actually victimized. Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, you feel like you're victimized because, you know, this election that you, you lost or, you know, these different actions that are being created and laws to help marginalized people be able to be brought up to par. And it's not because they can't achieve, because if you look at a lot of the statistics, black people have achieved a lot, you know, brought themselves through this modern era with a 250-year uh, holdback. And a on their back. <laughs> you know, there's only been not that many laws that have been passed to help black people out. And most of it was to legally just remove barriers. So it wasn't uh-huh. like hands, like, hey, here, here, niggers, help them out. Like, it's more like, all right, we're going to take these barriers away and, you know, do your fucking thing. Yeah. And it took 100 years to do that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's like, uh, you can't discriminate because of this. All right, you shouldn't bomb their fucking houses for moving right. in. But then if you do, uh, we'll probably let you off. <laughs> <laughs> and if we do punish you, like fucking Amber, what was that woman's name that went into the wrong house? This happened in Texas, Oh, that I fucking think. cop? Amber Geiger I don't remember her name. She went like in that. that. His name was Botham. Botham Jean. Botham Jean, yeah. And he was in his house, like watching TV, eating a bowl of ice cream. And this white woman, oh, I thought it was my apartment. And I saw this black man and I was afraid. And I immediately just shot him. Meanwhile, they have like a history. Yeah. But she got 10 years. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Cool. Okay. So you can run up in someone else's house while they're minding their own goddamn business and. S- and I think they're like fighting the term like that was too harsh. Like they did to that fucking rapist swimmer. The dude that ha- got six months because he had potential. Fuck you. Wherever you're at. I think the last. He works in a factory in Ohio. Yeah. And his dad was like, he shouldn't be harassed or judged for one slip up or one bad night 40 or seconds shit. of action 40 seconds of action are you fucking kidding he like brutally it's not like he just raped her like she like he fucked her up and it was bad enough that two people two men walking by saw it and was like yo clearly this is a consensual because people can you can fuck in the alley if shit's popping right it clearly wasn't that like it was a oh He's doing something he has no business doing. Let's run up on him and see what's going on. Yeah. So that that's that's that part of the show. So we hope you got some good stuff out of that. This essence that this white violence is ever present. Yeah. And always threatening. I like that. You know. Did you make that up? I did. I like that. I did. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, the threat of violence is always there. The 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 potential to lose your life to these people is ever present mm-hmm. and so lose your life and them not deal with any repercussions and then not lose any you know have any repercussions which is why they can keep doing it exactly so this last piece so well, i don't have it's not really on the agenda but since mm-hmm. we were talking about brock turner incels oh god in the research for this yeah. i didn't know what an incel was yeah so we're, we're winding this down so this is a fun talk um, <laughs> the fun talk is in sales. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. We need a better hobby. <laughs> so I, in, in reading about these organizations in the modern times, in the last twenty years, the FBI had listed in sales as part of white terror organizations. Right. Because these niggas who don't get no pussy 
decide that people should die for it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was wild because I remember seeing on the internet women would be like, "You fuck." They would call like a guy incel because he made some real misogynist thing. And I just thought it was some spicy, sharp word to give to somebody. I didn't know it meant something. And then, to, like literally this week, I learned, oh, like this word means something. Yeah, I'm not even gonna put it on you being a man. I feel like the the presence of men being terrorizing for women never goes away. It's something that we unfortunately just live with and deal with you know like walking down the street men might be there what what mood am i in do i potentially feel like interacting with these niggas at all and i don't want to say niggas because i don't want to make it seem like i'm just talking about black men just men in general like as a woman it's a it's a a terror that is present on our mind at all times especially once the sun starts to set. It's something that we are constantly dealing with and is life-threatening, honestly. And uh, incels for me, like I've known about incels at the term and the community for a few years, but that's just because I'm like interested in learning more about <laughs> killing and, and the things that make people tick, I suppose, and and these like lone white mass shooters that commit these crimes come from somewhere so i'm not like new to this incel talk um but they do tend to be these white lone men and racism is absolutely involved but i think the the heart of it is misogyny Mm -hmm. and then racism is a very close second yeah, that's that pretty make, accurate. That, like, no, that's really yeah. accurate. Um, so, yeah, you know, learned about that. So it stands for involuntarily celibate. Yeah. And I'm They're like, pissed off. They just want some ass. And, like, they will, they, they label themselves as that. That's the wild yeah. part. I'm like, yo, well, uh, not. I mean, turning themselves into victims. Yeah, turning themselves into victims. Like, They're, oh allowed, to vi- They're allowed to victimize themselves. No one no wants one to date is. me. No one wants to have sex with me. And, like, some of them like maybe you have like a mental illness so a lot of the people don't find that attractive and i don't i have no comment for that but like some of y'all niggas just be like socially awkward and it's like you can to 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 certain degrees do some self work and figure out how can i be better to people because a lot of the times as you can see cuz they fucking kill people they're just not good people yeah and, <laughs> like, and, and there's this idea that it's it's <laughs> Just because I've watched a lot of shit about it, it's like, yo, if you're a four and you're actively trying to pull tens and the ten is not paying you no mind and you're pissed off, that's what you think, my guy. Like, you're trying to pull people that are absolutely out of your league and then you're pissed off because they're showing you absolutely no interest. Well, maybe if you got your head out of your ass and you brought yourself back to reality and tried to interact with people that might actually genuinely be interested in you... You might not fuck them the first time you hang out with them. It might take some time, but maybe you'll build a friendship and you could get a relationship. But no, you're mad because this girl that maybe you knew since the third grade that you let borrow a pencil a few times doesn't show you any mind your seventh grade year when you ask her to a dance and now you're fucking pissed off and jaded. Whose fault is that, my guy? Like, get over it. (laughs) Yeah, and even if you are this super wonderful, kind person... There's a seventh grader. She's in fucking high school. Like, they don't know any better anyways. And just like you don't. <laughs> and we all, most of us, 
especially people of color kind of realize, you know, we might not weird in terms of power. It might not happen till later in life. But how incels is, I think, impactful for this is the fact that they truly believe they are owed something or they're just absolutely deserving of something because they exist as these dudes that just have life. So, oh, I'm this nice guy. We talked about nice yesterday and it being a performative thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just exist. So you should fuck me. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> Apologies. Sorry, not sorry, actually. Yeah. And shout out to my guy, Takuma. We had a long conversation about that uh, the other day. And then, yeah, me and you went in about that because, um, you know, that's just like entitlement to its fullest extent. Like, I exist, so you should want to sleep with me? Like, there's a lot that goes into romance. <laughs> so you should you should study that and learn yeah. about yourself and learn about the people around you and learn how to be a kind person. People like kind people. Yeah. Like, rude people that are also not attractive, well, Sorry. they don't get play. Sorry. If you're going to be rude and you're going to be a dick, at least look good. And it's unfair. <laughs> it is unfair. But life is unfair. But white people can't deal with that because they haven't had to. Mm. You know, black people, people of color, women have to deal with that all the time. And that attractive, pretty privilege does exist. Sorry, you can't have two bad qualities. <laughs> you have to pick a struggle. And if you are naturally maybe unattractive, while beauty is in the high eye of the beholder, if you're trying to actively go after people that are way above your aesthetic station, you cannot also have a bad attitude. Sorry. Yeah. That's just how that is. Got to build yourself up, buddy. So, <laughs> you know, do yeah. some work, champ. But that is our episode. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I hope you got some good stuff out of this. Uh, there's a lot of stuff for you to research and follow up on. Mm -hmm. So I want you to go and do that. We got a lot of this. We have a lot of sources for this. And eventually we're going to publish these sources. We have like 300 plus sources now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's getting kind of crazy. But we got a lot of this from Rancorp and Center for Center. What is that shit called? Um. CSIS. Center Studies? Yes, it is called the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Thank you. Um, and then the FBI.gov. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of stuff from there. So you can check that stuff out. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share this. Shout out to everybody in India. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yo, y'all keep, honestly, keep us going because how crazy. Yeah. And shout out to a thousand listens. So we got yes. a thousand listens a few days before we recorded this episode. So we are on our trajectory. We're on the way up. We got some new stuff coming. Um, so thank y'all. And we'll catch you next time. Bye.